0: Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. This is Drew Allen in some form of the Drew Allen Show, as a matter of fact. But nonetheless, it is me, Drew Thomas Allen, the Millennial Minister of Truth. I wasn't here last week. I thought I was going to be here with an update last Monday. Here we are now in another week on Tuesday. I was at CPAC. So I want to give you a CPAC update. My observations, my experiences, and all of that and get into a few things. This is not a, uh, a typical show. This is more of a show to catch you up, talk about some personal experiences I had. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the country as usual, but this is an update and one you don't want to miss. So I went to CPAC for the first time ever. I've never been to CPAC before. And I don't know, depends how plugged in you are into politics. Some people will have never heard anything that I'm saying right now about this. Uh, It'll be news. Other people say, yeah, I've heard that, and you'll want to know what happened. But there were murmurs, and even in the news, I think, discussions about how this year's CPAC was less attended than CPAC's in the past, that the vibe was different. Uh, And that there's something wrong with CPAC. In fact, that maybe CPAC is dying. Now, I don't know whether that's true or false. I don't know what's going to happen with CPAC per se. There is some validity to that. Now, I, Drew, as I just told you, have never been to CPAC before. So I can't compare my experience that I just had to anything else. But I did talk to people who have spent a lot of time at CPAC. People who have been going for years and years and years. And they unanimously stated that, yeah, there were less people here than usual. And in particular with the group I was hanging out with because I went as a media person. I had a media badge. And I went as a publicist, actually. I didn't go on behalf of uh, the Drew Allen Show. I went on behalf of of Drew, the publicist that some of you know about, some of you don't maybe. So anyway, Media Row is the large hallway section where Newsmax is set up, where radio hosts are set up, where all kinds of networks, Lindell TV is set up. So it's literally Media Row, a row of radio stations and TV You know, networks, except there weren't a lot of networks. There was just Newsmax. Fox wasn't there. CBS wasn't there. NBC wasn't there. But that doesn't surprise me because things have changed so much. I wouldn't expect to see CNN at the conservative political action uh, convention. But nonetheless, the media row was less populated than usual. There weren't as many media people there, apparently. Apparently. And there are a lot of reasons for that as well. They they want they wanted $700 a night for a room at the Gaylord Convention. Now, that is technically in Maryland, but it's outside of D.C. That's where this convention was held. So I think there were other factors contributing, contributing to that, but I don't really care about that. I don't want to talk about that because I have more important things to discuss besides the future and fate of CPAC. Now, the, 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 the most important thing that I suppose I should lead off with and discuss was my experience watching, in person, Donald Trump speak. It may be shocking to some of you. I have never, ever been to a Trump rally. I have never, ever heard Trump speak in the flesh and it was an experience. Now, you know, it was funny. My wife would have killed me if I hadn't gone and heard the speech. In fact, I was considering not going and hearing him speak just briefly because all of my compadres who had been to a lot of these things, they, 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 they have heard Trump speak or whatever. They've been through this experience where it's a pain in the AWS as you can imagine secret service is there they locked down the building so it's a bit of a hassle to get in there to be around the president or hear the president speak but fortunately my wife's wisdom and advice and my own good sense prevailed and I did I went and heard Trump speak now firstly I had no idea I did not realize you know th- th- how great the soundtrack is the playlist that that hypes you up and entertains you over the loudspeakers before Trump actually shows up and speaks. Now, this is what's so funny. My wife is not plugged into politics. In the sense that she's not like me, some to her credit, good for her, you know, some some rabid, you know, politico that reads the news and digests and you know has a podcast, for example. But, but but she was aware because of whatever she follows out there, the people that she is following that inform her about this and that, she knew, had heard about the famous Trump playlist and the fact that he sits at Mar-a-Lago and actually DJs on his phone. So the, the playlist was great and entertaining. But Trump showed up and he he he, he, he walks out. And I guess he does this all the time. i would seen pictures of this, but he goes to the American flag and he hugs the flag and he, you know, makes the kissy face the flag. And it's hilarious, but it's not just hilarious. It's serious because he loves the country. And Trump spoke for, I think, over an hour and a half. So he spoke almost an hour, 40 minutes. And before I explain more about his speech and my experience, I want to say this about Trump. Trump loves America. And Trump loves you. I mean that. He loves the American people. And that is what you will begin to understand as I walk you through this. Now, when we talk about Trump, and we talk about what he's doing, his speeches, I think that it's very important to recognize what Trump's going through. You know, Trump's not a robot. A lot of people just think of Trump and he's a machine and he doesn't have feelings or emotions because he's Trump. But if you or me, or most any of you, were to actually experience just A day in the life of Trump in terms of these prosecutions, the persecution, we we wouldn't remain standing. The the stress would be too much for us to continue operating in any capacity. But he operates at 100% despite all of these outside pressures. And it's a remarkable thing. A remarkable thing. And Trump started on the teleprompter. He might have lasted 10, 15 minutes on the teleprompter. I don't really remember exactly. And this isn't a dig at Trump, but he's not great on the teleprompter. I mean, I, you know, I mean, any red speech is not as good as one that is delivered just from the heart, like I do or others do in the moment on their shows, live shows, like this, this kind of situation. And live, there are few people, few people as talented as Trump. So he was on the teleprompter, and I don't know. I haven't even researched this. I don't know if there's information out there about it. At some point early on, he decided to abandon the teleprompter. I don't know if something happened to the teleprompter. I don't know if he just read the room and he said, screw this. This teleprompter thing is stupid. I'm just going to have an experience with these people, these Americans who are here to hear me speak today. And most politicians it's obligatory it's just going through the motions okay i'm here i have to read a speech think think about this think about this on the same day that trump spoke at cpac which was this last saturday it was also the south carolina primary so he had to fly in to give this speech and then he had to fly back to south carolina now, now, I know he's got his own private plane and all that, but travel is not fun. And he's got to get in the car, and he's got to be driven to the convention center, and then he's got to get in the car again, the SUV, and drive back to the airport where his plane is and get on the plane and fly again. This is a long day for somebody. And if if this speech, well, a speech was written for him, and this speech you know, would have been 30, 40 minutes max. That's just how it works. He spoke for nearly an hour, 40 minutes, and he did it with no speech. He just told stories. He talked about the country, sure, but it was more like being almost at a comedy club. I have never been so entertained by a speaker before. We were laughing hysterically. He was self-deprecating. He just he can read a room, interact with the people. And what I would say that you can take away from my message. Do you remember the GOAT? Remember Rush Limbaugh? He would always talk about the unique and strong bond that Donald Trump had with his voter base. And he'd always talk about how the left off. Oh, they're trying to sever that bond, and they're never going to be the. They'll never be able to do it. The only person who can sever that bond is Trump himself. And I understand the bond viscerally now. I understood the bond in the past in the sense that, you know, I liked Trump. I lived under his administration. I liked his policies. I understand the gravity of the situation in America. I never really personally cared about Trump's mouth or saying this or that. Who cares? I don't get caught up in that stuff. And most of it's bullshit. But now I understand. Because Trump would have stood on that stage and entertained us for another half hour if he didn't have to go to South Carolina. And in fact, it was almost so abrupt that he was, like, having to wrap things up. It's almost like somebody in his entourage got a hold of him or looked at him or made eye contact in the front row and said, you know, hey, Mr. President, former president, current president, they stole 2020. But anyway, you know, hey, we we got to get out, We got to roll, man. You, you got to give a speech in South Carolina. By the way, you're kicking Nikki Haley's ass. So. I I just hope you understand that this is a human being who's got things to do. And he sat there and spent nearly an hour, 40 minutes or so literally entertaining his voter base, the American people. And the reality is. Not for the Marxists that really hate this country and want to destroy it, but for the Democrats and independents out there that just vote because they've been raised Democrat all their lives, that maybe still do love America, but are blinded by factionalism or blinded by, I don't know, their strange allegiance to a media that lies to them, people with open minds, if they had been in that room, they would not have left thinking the same things they've been told their are lies about Donald Trump. It just wouldn't have happened. They would have left realizing that the media and the hatred for Trump is absolutely absurd, it's disgusting, and it's unfounded. Because Donald Trump's one of the funniest men on the planet. That's what I learned. He's one of the funniest. So I understand that bond with with Donald Trump. Now, there were a few other things that were enlightening about this CPAC experience. Now, Trump's the only person I had time to hear speak. But I had a lot of clients that were at this CPAC. Uh, Carrie Lake was there speaking. Uh, uh, Actually, I got to spend a lot of time with uh, uh, Chadwick Jones, who wrote the Tucker book. He was a client. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. And I got to tell you my observation about, about Tulsi Gabbard. Just watching her, know this. She's special. She's special. She has the it factor, if you will. It just comes naturally to her. Maybe it's aloha. Maybe it's the Hawaii, Hawaiian influence. I don't know what it is, but she seems as genuine as, can, genuine as can be to me, and just a natural born. And I say politician, but not politician in the sense that we usually say. Oh, our politicians are nasty. No, I mean, I mean just born for leadership. I guess that's what I mean. I mean, she's a lieutenant colonel in the National Guard, and she's got all this experience. Yes, she's been a a congresswoman. Yes, she was a former Democrat. But I just, you know, you see some people, and you either have it or you don't. Some people have it, some people don't. Tulsi Gabbard has it. 100% she has it. But just just like Carrie Lake has it. Look, we have such a deep bench of liberty-loving Americans on our side. And the left, the democrats cannot rival what we have in terms of talent. In terms of talent, we have a pool of people which is mesmerizing compared to the left. And that should be encouraging to you. It should be very very encouraging. But I saw some of these people walk around and you know it's it's funny. Uh, I I am not a celebrity. Um Obviously, I know people in, in the celebrity world of politics. But, you know, politics is funny, too. CPAC, you know, a lot of these people, yeah, I mean, Carrie Lake, I mean, but, you know, a lot of these people, it's like going to Comic-Con, which I haven't been to either. But I'm trying to make an analogy here. Let's see if it works. But, you know, you, there's some obscure movie that a bunch of people are obsessed with. Now, in in the grand scheme of the larger population, nobody knows anything about this film or these actors or childhood stars that went away. But when they're at this particular convention, which is focused on that type of thing, people recognize you there. So that's kind of the interesting—CPAC is like Hollywood for nerds. Hollywood for nerds. And one of the things—I don't know how I'm going to contribute to this or what exactly I'm going to do, except just be me and keep pushing forward. But I've had this conversation with people about, about the Republican Party. And one of the problems we face, obviously, is propaganda, but we we don't deal with it well. So, so for example, one of the lies that has been taught forever and ever by Democrats is that basically it's cool to be a Democrat. It's not cool to be a Republican. And so they put, you know, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, on Vanity Fair. The media And the media is responsible for this. It's it's the perception of popularity, the perception of coolness. Because none of these people on the left are cool. Let me tell you that. None of them are. Now, yeah, you got your celebrities and hip-hop people and stuff like that in the past who add to the allure. But these Democrat politicians, they're not cool. I saw Tulsi Gabbard and I said, this is somebody who's cool. Even with Carrie Lake, I said, this person's pretty cool. These are people I want to hang out with. And I hung out with a lot of them. And I don't know if I would get in trouble so I'm not going to talk about who I hung out with and whatever else but su- suffice it to say I hung out with a lot of these people very famous people in this world that we live in and I know and I know that they're famous I watched the interactions with people how beloved they were and, and and this does matter in politics because perception is reality and one of the things that the Republican Party has done that's kind of weird in the past maybe it's just politics in general but we do a very bad job of marketing ourselves, of marketing ourselves, while the left does an amazing, fabulous job of marketing themselves. And this has always plagued us. I mean, look, we give our party over to people like Mitch McConnell. These people in the past, are they cool? Who wants, who wants to be in the party of Mitch McConnell? But you see, the Democrats, they got Barack Obama. And by the way, Barack Obama is not cool. The guy's not cool at all. He's not even a good speaker. I mean, Barack Obama is a myth, a myth. Always playing basketball. He's so cool. Whatever. I mean, the way he talks is stupid. His cadence. I mean, I try to watch interviews with him, I can't do it. It's so boring. He's trying so hard to be an intellectual. He's a fraud. That's the point. But nonetheless, okay. I mean, Barack Obama, coolest politician. Why? But here's the thing Trump actually is cool. Trump is a rock star, and everyone admitted and felt like he was a rock star. The very people who hate him treated him like a rock star until he threatened the grift. But nonetheless, I'm going to finish up with this before I move on. We need to uplift people in our party that are cool. We need, we need to like take this seriously, the marketing campaign. How we talk to people, who we make the face of our party to represent us, it does matter. Especially if we want to, want to go after young voters, and that's that was always honestly one of my missions. Not to say I'm cool. Well, you know, honestly, I am pretty cool, but that's just because the bar is so low. And I did work in Hollywood and stuff like that in the past. But in the Republican Party, I could be a king. That's not that's that's not really true. But that's you understand what I'm saying, right? So that's important. Um. So what you have to understand about Washington, D.C. R&D, Republican Democrat. It doesn't really mean anything for most of these people. Now, I'm not talking about CPAC in particular, but there's certainly people at CPAC who qualify as grifters. You know, my whole thing, I mean, we have a two-party system. I'm not some sycophant for the Republican Party. I'm not. I am a fighter for America. And right now, it's beyond faction it's and this is worldwide by the way it's the american people versus their own government argentina it was the american it was the argentinians versus their government maybe in russia even it's the citizen versus putin and ukraine it might be the citizens versus zelensky and the american government which is really what's behind ukraine so this is happening everywhere and there were all these people malay i mean there were so many foreign leaders and dignitaries um, at CPAC, and this is the global awakening that's kind of happening right now, which is the realization that everyone's going through the same thing right now. We are fighting against tyranny, and 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 Trump right now. I saw it in his message a little bit. Hang on, As to do a momentary disconnect. My poor daughter is is sick uh, today. I don't know if it started a little bit yesterday, maybe. Man, I, I got i miss my first kid. Anyway, my wife was texting me because she it's not even her nap time yet. And my 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 daughter does not just like fall asleep on your chest anymore. She's almost one. I mean, those days sailed like seven months ago, right? I mean, things change and it moves so fast. And so my my, my daughter fell asleep just like with my wife standing upright in the light. And, you know, you go through this, you gotta, I mean, if you've had a baby, you know, you black out the curtains. If there's light in that room, that baby's not sleeping. So, broad daylight on my wife's chest, falling asleep, and it just kills you because they can't tell you what's wrong. You don't know what's wrong with the kid. If there's no fever, whatever else, I mean, it's just going through it right now. So, I just, I had to go check and see. Um, and this is this is a very... Not impromptu, I've been wanting to get behind the microphone for like weeks and weeks, but you know, I couldn't coordinate it right and stuff's going on. I've never been busier in my life as a publicist. And now's a good time to tell you some amazing news, amazing news, and then we're going to hit some other things here. There used to be something called American or America Media Periscope, I forget which one, AMP Network. Some of you may be familiar with it, some of you may not. If you follow me at substack, drewallen.substack.com, you've probably seen me post my interviews I've done on the Mark Schaffline report, or you've seen me host the Mark Schaffline report when he's been out a few times. Well, that, that network, AMP, is now combined with something called Patriot TV. And it's another streaming platform. Um, you know, it's very similar to, you know, Real America's Voice or something like that like that out there that just has continuous programming. You know, conservative, uh, you know, podcasts, talk radio, news shows. I mean, now it's crazy because you got people out there that are doing a, you know, Fox News quality uh, show and they're just doing it from the house and it's not related to a network. So anyway, they're going to be uh, amplifying this. And General Michael Flynn is on the board of Patriot TV, and I've been offered a Saturday show. It's going to be a 60-minute show. It will be called The Drew Allen Show, just like what you're familiar with with my podcast. Yes, I'm still going to do my podcast. I'm still going to do my podcast uh, when I can. Once or twice a week has been the goal. But this Saturday show is going to be fixed. It's going to be every Saturday, and I'll give you the time slot when I know but the show will certainly change and evolve. But I'm very excited about this and this opportunity to work with Patriot TV uh, to see what we can do. Because at the end of the day, it is about changing hearts and minds. It's always been about that for me. Do you know? Do you know how much money I have made from doing this? Do you know? Zero dollars. Zero dollars. Now it's not to say I won't make money from this at some point, but you know, I've got I'm a publicist and all this sort of stuff. But I, I'm just telling you that because there are so many people out there. I mean, yeah, some just want to be famous or they want to whatever. I'm, I'm not that guy, obviously. Um, but there are so many people that, that, that do these things and these endeavors because genuinely they love the country. And that's encouraging to me. I mean, look, there's so much pettiness in this world, by the way. You have no idea. You know, people get jealous if somebody else has a show or this and that because it's a competition. It's a competition. I'm not competing with any other show. Not really. I mean, I am, kind of. But all you can do, in my opinion, and what you should do, is just be the best you you can be. And to entertain. You know, a lot of people forget that. I could sit here and tell you the most brilliant points ever. But if I'm boring, no one's going to watch. No one's going to listen. So that's what I'm excited about. So I'm going to really have fun with this program on Saturday. We're going to have a lot of laughs. You know, I I am I am determined to bring humor back to this terrifying period in our history. That's not to say that I'm not going to spend a lot of time being honest and looking you in the eyes and talking about how serious the situation is in America. I'm not going to stop confronting them. I'm I'm not going to stop calling these people out. I'm I'm never going to stop being honest, but I think that we are in desperate need Of some humor. Not humor to distract us from the issues, but humor to help us digest what's going on and also to get to other people. To get to other people. Humor is a great unifier, right? It really is. Now, I'm going a little bit all over the place because, look, I'm a guy. I can turn the camera on and I can just talk. I don't know if I'm as good as Trump, but I'm pretty good. I had one opportunity before the CPAC got started underway to go to Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon, if you're a Democrat, listening or watching, uh, is George Washington's home, Mount Vernon, right there in Virginia on the Potomac. And um, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I know real time. I'm, I'm having to work here. Okay, settling back in to tell you about Mount Vernon. So, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, I got in. CPAC didn't start till Thursday. I don't know. I thought it started Wednesday anyway. So I had time, a little bit of time, to go to Mount Vernon, which, as I was saying, for the Democrats, that's where Mount, that's where George Washington lived. All right, Mount Vernon, that was his home. Apparently, I'd been there when I was four. That's what my dad told me. I did not remember anything about Mount Vernon. Also, that was probably on the same trip that my family took to DC. And uh, I was so bad, apparently, I got us kicked out of Ford Theater. Now, nonetheless, I went to Mount Vernon, and it's solidified for me something that I've been contemplating for some time, which is this. 2024, it's not an election. It's a revolution. Do you understand that? 2024 isn't an election. It's a revolution. The American people are faced with a clear choice right now. We can choose to give up both our individual and national sovereignty to a cabal of conniving elitists in Washington, D.C., who believe that they should rule over the American people or we can choose to reassert our independence as a country and as an individual. We can restake our claim on our own destiny, or we can give up that destiny and acknowledge that we believe, as Americans now, antithetical to what the Founding Fathers established and our Constitution and Founding Documents, we can basically say, okay, we admit defeat. We can't do things for ourselves. We need the government to dictate to us how we're going to live our lives. We can't succeed ourselves, so we will fail with the government behind us. These are the options and choices we have today, and it's no different than 1776. That's what the American Revolution was about. The American Revolution was a relatively small group of American colonists who decided that they wanted to be free. That they would no longer be second-class citizens under Great Britain's rule. And they decided, of course, to go to war. That was their only option. And right now we're looking at an option. to We have elections, sort of, right? We sort of have them. And that's what this is all about. And so I was sitting there at Mount Vernon, just taking it all in, thinking about all of the historical episodes that had happened and taken place at Mount Vernon, George Washington being there when he toured the house and you see his bedroom and you see the guest bedrooms and you think about all the people that came and stayed there and the history that was made at that place and the decisions that were made there that we are all the beneficiaries of. I not only thought about how far we've fallen from that. What an embarrassment so many Americans are. How they insult these sacrifices of these great Americans that came before us to give us this inheritance. How ungrateful we are. How duped we've become. But we have come full circle. And I recognize that. And that's why I wrote the book, my book, America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? That's why I wrote the book. Because I acknowledge that we've come full circle. I acknowledge the gravity of the situation that we face. And after hearing Trump's speech, I went on GB News with Mark Dolan. And I, and I made the absurd claim that George Washington has a lot in common with Donald Trump or vice versa. That Donald Trump is, in fact, very much like the Washington of our times. And, of course, you can imagine that a great many people out there would ridicule such a statement. But these are because, that's because we live in ignorant times. I mean, these same people, if they lived in George Washington, were here, wouldn't recognize that George Washington was great. They'd make fun of him. They'd make fun of Lincoln. They'd hate Lincoln and say he was stupid. And in fact, people in Lincoln's time did say he was stupid right when he was elected president, the first time. George Washington was a very wealthy man. Now, his wealth was under assault in many ways, as was the wealth of a great many wealthy American colonists at the time because of their deals with Great Britain, the way they were treated, the way they did business back then. I mean, you know... They didn't have control over the prices that the British were going to pay them for their crops this year and that year and so on and so forth. So really their wealth was in their land. It wasn't like liquid. But George Washington was very wealthy. He was an elite in his time in the United States, the now United States. And so is Trump. So is Trump. And Trump has nothing to gain himself actually from any of this. And I hope that people can understand and appreciate the sacrifices that he's making. And I'm not so pessimistic. I'm not so far gone and my brain is not so conquered and beaten down that I believe that there is no good left. That everyone is bad that no one would sacrifice, that Trump's up to something else or this or that. No, I don't believe that. I believe that there are virtuous men that live today. I believe Trump is one of them. And he's a great leader for this moment in history. And this is our second American revolution. If you doubt me, I dare you to pick up my book and read it. I dare you. And then come back to me and say, Drew, you were wrong. But you won't say that because it's an amazing book. But that's where we are. And so in so many ways, if you choose the Democrats or the elites, you're choosing to remain with Great Britain and accept your role as a servant. If you go with Trump, you're saying, hey, no, I reject that. I believe in my own individual rights, unalienable rights. I believe this this country belongs to we the people, not the elite. That's what this is about. Now, as I started to say before, the R&D doesn't mean anything because it's about money. Washington, D.C. is its own ecosystem. And I want you to think about something. There is no corporation that exists that has more money than the United States government. Now, forget the fact that we're bankrupt. They can just print it. It's all funny money at this point in many ways. But just based on the tax dollars that they steal from you and me, that makes the U.S. government wealthier than any corporation. And people do anything for money, for access to that. And so what you have is a bunch of slimy people in Washington, D.C., who are grifters. They work on K Street. They don't care who is elected president. A Republican or Democrat can win, as long as they're, they're they're more or less the same, the uniparty, if you will. And they just keep those kickbacks coming. K Street money flowing. Money goes to the Republicans and the Democrats. People can keep padding their resumes. A Republican's out, a Democrat's in. Well, all of those grifters can all still get jobs. Hey, I work for this administration, that administration. So there's no animosity between the two. You can go from George Bush to Barack Obama. You could have gone from Barack Obama to Mitt Romney or even... McCain. Maybe they give you a tax cut here and there, but nothing would have changed. That's the stranglehold they have on the system. And Donald Trump is a threat to them. He threatens the ruling elite, if you can believe it. That's what's going on here. That's why the Kinzingers, the Liz Cheneys, that's why the Bushes, that's why all these people hate Trump because they can't control him. In the past, you say, hey, uh, Mr. President, come here. That's not how things work here in Washington, D.C. You're going to upset this person over here. Think about this scenario. Donald Trump had that phone call with Zelensky when he was president, and he was impeached over it. Quid pro quo. Not a crime, even if he'd committed a quid pro quo, but he didn't actually demand or say that he wasn't going to offer money or he was going to withhold aid to Ukraine if Zelensky didn't get to the bottom of the Joe Biden corruption. Now, who was the whistleblower? A little fat guy that looks like a wider version of Kim Jong-un named Vinman cheeseburger face cheeseburger man vinman there were like 30 people on this phone call and they were all looking to get trump to sabotage trump who the hell is vinman anybody heard of vinman is he important in this country has he done anything for this country no no he's just one of many people who was a little pencil pusher in the military and he tried to bring down the trump presidency There are tens of thousands of Venmans running around Washington, D.C. They were at CPAC. They go to this and they go to that. And all they live for is to maintain the status quo. And the status quo is the government grows and we get our kickbacks and to hell with the American people. It's about maintaining control. So I just want you to understand this ecosystem. It's not that complicated. I mean, human nature doesn't change. That, that, that's what's important to understand in all of this. But I left CPAC very encouraged. Wonderful discussions with people. There's something happening in the country. And the media is going to try and convince you otherwise, but that's not reality. Trump's the guy. Trump's the guy. And most Americans want Trump. And it's a lot of people on our own side who are actually going to vote for Trump who are the ones maintaining this fabricated lie that, oh, Trump can't win or that. we got to get past that. The Trump that I heard speak was absolutely Trump. The Trump you've known. And yet seeing him there in person, hearing him speak, feeling that bond and that love he has for you and me and the American people in this country, I will never, ever forget it. He is a once-in-a-generation talent. Stop letting the media convince you that Trump— They did this with Reagan. He's dumb or whatever. I mean, no. No, Trump is a special, special human being. And he should be revered as such. That's not to say he doesn't make mistakes or can't make mistakes. It's not to say you can't criticize him. People criticize George Washington. People criticize Abraham Lincoln. But at the end of the day, despite their flaws, they were great men. Donald Trump is a great man. He's a great man like Lincoln was a great man. He's a great man like George Washington was a great man. He's a great man like so many presidents have been. Reagan was a great man. None of these people are perfect, but they are extraordinary leaders that that, that step up when this country needs them. And they can't do it alone. But for us to sit here and act like we don't have an amazing candidate that can help us through this difficult time is absurd. We don't need somebody else. We have the guy, and it's Donald Trump. And if people could get over the media narratives and the lies, one, you would feel better. Stop being pessimistic. That's not to say stop being realistic about the damage being done, about the fact that the Democrats are certainly going to cheat in this election, that they're going to use illegal immigrants to do so. It's not to say you should pretend that Marxism isn't happening. But to sit there and live in misery all the time, when we have Donald Trump and this gift right now fighting for us, we're lucky. If we didn't have him, who would we have? He's the best shot we have. And if he's not elected, we lose lose the country. But it's not about Republican Democrat right now. And I see that in, in Trump. And that's the real, real through line I see with George Washington. That's the real connection. It's that George Washington was elected as an American president. There were no factions when George Washington was elected. And in fact, when George Washington stepped down in his farewell address, he warned against factionalism. We are the party, if you will, of common sense. That's one thing that Donald Trump kept saying. He understands this. We can win and we can convince people if we convey to them and convince them, which is true, that this is not Democrat versus Republican. This is us versus a lawless government, a tyrannical government. This is us asserting that we will not be slaves. We will not be treated as lesser than our politicians. We will not be grifted. We will not be robbed. We will have people put America first. And Donald Trump is like Washington in that regard. He is standing between us and a tyrannical government that would reduce all of us to slaves. All right, well, I'll have an update here soon. How about that, baby, huh? Is that good or what? I'm on fire. It's been like two weeks. I couldn't wait to get behind the microphone. But that's my speech. That's my, 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 uh, my, uh, my two cents about CPAC and what I observe and how I feel. Uh, but like I said, look, I'll, I'll put an update up soon about the Saturday thing when I know a time. But just get ready for that. It's going to be every Saturday on Patriot TV. It's free. And it's going to be a 60-minute show. And it's going to be a heck of a good time. All right. God bless you all. I've missed you dearly. And until next time.